What's going on? Happy Monday and welcome in to the Black and Blue Report presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Sowerson here in Studio B, the Auctioner Sports Performance Center. Finally back home as the Pelicans are back home as well as they take on the Memphis Grizzlies tonight here inside the Smoothie King Center. As they're on the road, finished 1-1 one one on the road trip with a win against the Cavs and a loss against the Nets. The Saints were idle, sat back and relaxed and waited to see who they're going to play in the NFC Divisional Round. And that will be the Philadelphia Eagles. What a typical... Put the wild in wild card yesterday in Chicago as, you know, the Eagles get that touchdown with minutes to go. And then Cody Parkey with a chance to win it for the Bears and off two, two of the three goalposts to one on the left side and on the bottom. Just a heartbreaking loss for the Chicago Bears. But that also means that Philadelphia Eagles will invade the Big Easy on Sunday afternoon. It's the last game of the NFC Divisional Round at 340 Central Time. And, of course, we will have... All your coverage here leading up to that game on Sunday. Three of the four road teams win on Wild Card Weekend. The Indianapolis Colts win handily over the Houston Texans 21-7. Um, how about the Chargers coming out with a win over the Baltimore Ravens yesterday? Almost blew it there at the end. Ravens had a chance to, to win it on the last drive and then a fumble by Lamar Jackson as the Ravens offense struggled to get things going until later on in the fourth quarter. But the Chargers move on to play the New England Patriots, and then on the NFC side, of course, you had the Dallas Cowboys defeating the Seattle Seahawks on Saturday night, a close affair, but couldn't really get things going for Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks, so everything is set. The final eight teams for the NFL and the chance to go to the Super Bowl, it's New England against the Los Angeles Chargers, it's the Kansas City Chiefs playing host to the Indianapolis Colts, and then in the NFC it is the Los Angeles Rams playing host to the Cowboys and, of course, the Saints playing host to the Philadelphia Eagles. We're going to recap everything that happened in the Wild Card Weekend with Mike Triplett of ESPN.com. Then we'll also dive in to Saints and Eagles just a little bit just because these two teams did play earlier in the season with the, Pel the Saints excuse me, winning handily 48-7. New quarterback, though, in the fold for the Eagles. Of course, Nick Foles doing what Nick Foles does here. He replaces Carson Wentz at the end of the year and Hasn't lost since, so we'll see if the, the Eagles can keep that streak going or also the Saints can keep that streak going of not losing a home game in the playoffs inside the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. So, again, Mike Triplett from ESPN.com will join us. And then Jim Eichenhofer from Pelicans.com, as he usually does on Mondays, will help us talk about Pelicans and Grizzlies tonight, kind of recap the road trip, talk about Alfred Payton and what he's meant to this ball club since returning from injury, and then look at the week ahead, a very Interesting week for the Pelicans as, again, the Grizzlies have been struggling lately. They've had their own players meeting. The Cavaliers had a players-only meeting or a team meeting before their game against the Pelicans, and then Pelicans win by 35 points. You see them again on Wednesday as part of their second game of a back-to-back, -back, and then you take on the Minnesota Timberwolves on Saturday. Begins a five-day or five-game road trip, 11 days, and Minnesota just fired Tom Thibodeau yesterday, and so the Timberwolves will be with an interim head coach for the rest of the way this season. So an interesting week for the Pelicans. We'll have Jim discuss all of that and more here on this Monday. And also, I'm sure grab some king cake, sit back, relax, and enjoy the Black and Blue Report. It's yours with Mike Triplett and Jim Eichenhofer right now. This is the Black and Blue Report presented by SeatGeek. Here's Daniel Sellerson. And, of course, we have to start with Wild Card Weekend in the NFL. Joining me now to kind of recap this weekend's games is Mike Triplett for ESPN.com, who covers the New Orleans Saints. Mike, 
Uh, hope you got some rest this weekend as now the Pel or the Saints have their opponent for Sunday afternoon. That's the Philadelphia Eagles. We're, uh, yeah, we're ready. We didn't know that until, what, the final? <laughs> the final 10 seconds of uh, Wild Card Weekend, who they were going to play. It sure looked like Dallas for a while there, but... Uh... The uh, Saints sparked something in this Eagles team when they uh, when they beat them 48 to seven in Week 11. They've been uh, they, they've been on a mission ever since. Have you were you surprised at the fact that it is the Philadelphia Eagles that the Saints will see, or just because it is the NFL and you saw three of the four road teams win? That who knows what could have happened this weekend for New Orleans. I wasn't shocked at the time of yesterday's game that Philadelphia was able to win at Chicago, but if you would have told me. You know, during the third or fourth quarter of that game in Week 11, that oh, by the way, this team is going to win six of their next seven games and and be back here in the second round of the playoffs. No, I wouldn't have believed you at that point. They they really hit a low point, and you know, we saw it with the Saints. There there is such a thing as that Super Bowl hangover. It is hard to to uh, sort of muster up that same intensity and have everything fall your way and stay healthy and play your best football and everything that goes into a special season and. You know, it all happened for him last year, and it, it didn't happen for him this year. But the one thing you can't deny is that they're talented on offense and defense, and obviously deep at the quarterback position to be able to have a, a second guy that can step in and, and win some important games for him. So uh, this is now two years in a row where they've proven that there's there's something special to this team. You, you said that they've won six of their last seven games, Mike. Um, I know you pay attention mostly on the New Orleans Saints, but from afar, what has changed in these last seven weeks for the Philadelphia Eagles that have made them or have gotten them to this point right now? Well, it's funny you ask that because I was researching them quite a bit last night and wondering if, you know, I mean, obviously we know Nick Foles replaced Carson Wentz at quarterback. Um, but I was curious, you know, did they have like three pro bowlers come back, <laughs> come back from, uh, from injuries in December or, you know, what major changes are they making? It hasn't really been a lot of personnel changes for them. It hasn't been a lot of guys coming back from injury. It's really just been them, I guess, having that fire lit under them and knowing we have to play like every game is our last. And, and whatever intensity brought that out of them, they've been playing that way. The only game they lost was that game to Dallas that, that came right down to the wire, too. Um, so they've just, you know, they've they've figured out how to, how to play up to their best. You know, I mean, their players talk about things like doing all the little things right, having the focus, having the fight, you know, a bunch of intangible stuff that you can't quite put your finger on. But, um, you know, this team obviously has some special areas. I think the most special is probably their front four. We did not see that in the first matchup against the Saints when Drew Brees was pretty much untouched and threw four touchdown passes. But Fletcher Cox is as good as any defensive lineman in the NFL, not named Aaron Donald or J.J. Watt. And, uh, you know, and they've got some good edge rushers. So the Saints offensive line, which hopefully has had time to heal after some late season injuries, is going to have a handful. What is it about Nick Foles? We saw what he did yes last year with the Philadelphia Eagles, taking them to Super Bowl and eventually winning that Super Bowl. And now this year when Carson Wentz gets hurt, Nick Foles is back and doing the same things. What is it about him that you've seen over the past year and a half that's impressed you the most about just what he's been able to do with Philly? Well, he doesn't just light it up statistically. I mean, even even while going 4-0 and as their starting quarterback, he only had eight touchdowns and five interceptions. He only had one 300-yard passing game. So he's not doing anything overwhelming, but as we saw in the biggest possible way last night uh, with the game on the line late in the fourth quarter, 
He orchestrates a terrific drive, throws the go-ahead touchdown pass. We obviously saw him do what it took to uh, win a Super Bowl by outdoing Tom Brady uh, in a big moment. So obviously you have a guy, these moments aren't too big for him. Um, you know, he's poised, uh, he's making the right decisions, he's staying cool under pressure, and, and he's giving his team a, a great chance to win. I mean, that's sort of another immeasurable quality is, is how are you going to play in must-win games? And he's now 4-0 in must-win games this year. He was 3-0 in the postseason last year. Uh, so, obviously, that's a very special quality. Obviously, these two teams met earlier this season with the Saints trouncing the Eagles 48-7. to um, We saw it last year in the playoffs with the Saints that a lot of people were doubting the Saints just because you played the Panthers twice in the regular season, then it's hard to beat a team three times. I know they only played the Eagles once this season, but can the Saints or the Eagles take anything from that game here in the playoffs, or do you wipe the wipe the slate clean here just because it is a different beast in the NFC while, a divisional round? Yeah, a little of both, but I mean, obviously there's some things the Saints really liked about that matchup uh, that they were able to focus on, and I think they're going to still find some of those things there. I mean, that's Sean Payton and Drew Brees' specialty is is deciding where they can attack and, and, and put a burden on a defense. The Eagles passed Defense was 30th in the NFL this year, um, even though they've been playing a little better down the stretch. That's something the Saints are going to try to exploit with Michael Thomas and Ted Ginn Jr. back, and then I think Alvin Kamara will be very heavily involved in the passing game um, as he was in that first meeting. Uh, I think the key is going to be the Saints' offensive line. Hopefully they're healthy enough to play at the level they did in the first three months of this season. If that's the case, I think this, the Saints' offense is going to put a lot of stress on this Eagles defense, and then, um, you know, Saints have had neck and neck with the Bears, one of the best run defenses in the NFL this year, and uh, the Eagles' rushing offense has not been that special. They've been mixing and matching a lot of running backs. I'm sure they'll try to do something with uh, old old friend uh, Darren Sproles here in the Superdome, but, uh, you know, it's going to take a lot for the Eagles to be able to run the ball against this uh, really, really impressive Saints run defense. Uh, so that's another advantage that I think the Saints will, will try to exploit and uh, you know should be able to. If there's one thing that concerns you about the Saints heading into the divisional round on Sunday, what would it be as far as it can be a position, it can be a certain aspect of their game? What maybe concerns you? Because, I mean, of course, they've been rolling this entire year, 13-3. and three. Um, what, what concerns you about the Saints team, if anything? Yeah, well, no, I mean, there's a couple areas, obviously, since we – they didn't play their best football in December. Uh, I've mentioned the health of the offensive line a couple times. I, I can only imagine the Saints, we're going to see the good Saints offense again. They're going to be at home. They've had plenty of time to prepare for this game. Uh, so I think the Saints are going to be able to score in the 20s or 30s again, if, if not more, in this game. But they're going to need to count on a healthy offensive line to be able to do that. I don't know if Toronto Armstead will be back. Ideally, everybody else will be. Um, and then, you know, I think there's a little more reason to be confident in their receivers, although that was another thing that had hurt the offense is the lack of receiver depth behind Michael Thomas. I think getting Ted Ginn back was big in that area. And then on the other side of the ball, we've seen inconsistency from, from their secondary. We, you know, with, uh, with the way Pittsburgh and then Carolina were able to put up some big, deep, deep balls uh, right down the stretch. We really saw it, Marshawn Lattimore and Eli Apple and, and Marcus Williams and Von Bell and everybody were playing their best football around week 14, week 15, but then they struggled uh, in the secondary in week 16 and week 17, so they need to prove uh, 
that those last two weeks were more of the fluke and, and, and that they're still on the hot streak that they started to get in in November and December. Before I let you go, was there any surprises uh, on Wild Card Weekend for you as far as whether it was a team or a game, just how things played out over the weekend? Uh, not major surprises, although, I mean, I, I don't think I would have bet money on any of the four games. Um, so I guess I was surprised at how convincingly um, San Diego – or sorry, San Diego, the, the Chargers routed uh, Baltimore for the first three and a half quarters before that game got close. How surprisingly Indianapolis came out and jumped all over uh, the Texans on the road early. I, you know, I thought those would be more back-and-forth close games. Uh, so the AFC – which didn't seem to have the, the depth, all of a sudden the Colts and, and Chargers look like uh, really, really potent teams there. Um, so uh, I, I think there's a pretty strong final eight now with those two teams playing the way they are. What about Rams and Cowboys? What intrigues you about that matchup? I'm sure the Saints will have their eye on that game on Saturday. Um, I know you have to get through the game on Sunday, but what intrigues you about Cowboys yeah. and Rams this weekend? Uh, well, I, intriguing is the right word. Um, I still think the Rams might be the, you know, the toughest opponent or the second best team or whatever, however you want to rank them in the in this entire field. It's neck and neck with them and the Chiefs. But I think their potential is so high because they're they have an offense that can score in the 40s and they have a defense that is loaded with talent if they play their best football. So I think the Rams are still sort of a sleeping giant. Uh, but the Cowboys, I was getting all ready to write my uh, matchup story on Saints-Cowboys. Um, they're, they're playing so well. I think they've won eight of nine games. They've got the run game. They've got a defense that's playing great. So those are two really good teams. Whoever comes, you know, if the Saints win this game, whoever comes in the Superdome for that NFC Championship game is going to be a serious test. All right. Should be a fun weekend across the NFL, including Saints and Eagles on Sunday. That's where you'll find Mike Triplett on Sunday. You can follow him on Twitter at Mike Triplett. Of course, he covers the Saints for ESPN. Mike, I appreciate the time, and uh, we'll talk to you later on, my friend. All right. Happy to do it. All right. Let's transition from the NFL playoffs to the Pelicans. It's a Pelicans game day here in New Orleans as they play host to the Memphis Grizzlies tonight. Inside the Smoothie King Center, 7 p.m. tip-off. Of course, joining me now is Jim Eikenhofer from Pelicans.com, as he always does on Mondays. Jim, welcome back to the Big Easy. We felt like, uh, I think I bought some property in Cleveland just because of how long we were there, but nice to be home and not the best trip in the world, but I'd say so-so. You know, I would say if you're the property that you bought in Cleveland, only spend time there in the summer. Okay. So that's my advice for you, so to take advantage of that. But yeah, I mean, it was... It was uh, Kind of symbolic. That trip was kind of like the season. There was a really good moment and a really down, disappointing moment. So, but it's good to be back. Absolutely. So let's talk about that road trip a little bit. A loss to Brooklyn um, didn't look good. Down twenty four in the first half. You fight your way back, and that seems to be the trend on the road this season. You get down early, fight your way back, and then lose. And then Wednesday against Cleveland, a little bit of a slow start. I would say just for the fact that you're only up two on Cleveland um, at the in the first quarter. But after that, the Pelicans really took over. Um, what were your initial thoughts on the one and one road trip? Yeah, the uh, the Brooklyn game was pretty frustrating from the standpoint of whatever you did in the second half. It, it, it we've seen that so many times where it hasn't been enough to get the job done, and to to have as many games this season, especially like you said, especially on the road where you've gotten off to slow starts, it's just been frustrating that they haven't been able to figure that out or or do better in that area. The, the Cleveland game, I thought really the, the the main reason when you look back at the whole game that the Cavs were competitive in the first half was they were shooting threes really well. 
in that at the beginning of the game, and then they came back down to earth and came back down to the what you would expect from them, and then it turned into just a a complete blowout. It was nice to me to have a game where you won handily, especially on the road. Um, either way, to have a game where you could rest some guys. Not that you really needed rest after you had um, extra days off between games, but it was good for the confidence of the team, even though, as we all know, Cleveland is really struggling right now and they're kind of a patchwork-type team. But I thought the feeling in the locker room was really good after that game, and there was it was kind of reassuring to, to know that, you know, if we're teams in a situation where they had a game like they did against Brooklyn, that they can bring it together and come up with a performance that they did Saturday. Would you have felt any different if the Pelicans may have just skidded by Cleveland on on um, second? I don't even remember day Saturday. I can't remember <laughs> days anymore. We like know Robert Williams instead today. of the Celtics. It's either <laughs> game day or non-game day. Right. I couldn't figure right. it out. But nonetheless, um, would you kind of looked at that game differently if it was maybe close or came down to the wire or just because the Pelicans were so desperate for a win, especially on the road, that it wouldn't matter to you? No, I think I think I would have looked at it differently because, you know. I mean, honestly, it's one of those games where you kind of feel like there's, in a way, if you win, people say, well, this win doesn't matter because they're playing against a terrible team. And if you lose or it's a close game, it's people throw up red flags. So I, I do feel like it was, I do, do, I do look at it differently. And I think the players probably do too, that, uh, I mean, they're still an, the Cavs are still an NBA team. So, I mean, to be able to beat somebody by 35, it's not like the Cavs have lost every game this year by 30, 40 five points so I mean that's still a plus that you were able to blow them out the way that they did Alfred Payton has played in three games since return from injury didn't as far as number wise didn't put up really a lot of numbers on Wednesday against the Cleveland Cavaliers I know Saturday Saturday why am I <laughs> that's okay I need a vacation don't worry, <laughs> don't worry about it it's been a long season already Saturday for <laughs> Alfred Payton didn't put put up the numbers Played limited minutes just from the sense that the Pelicans were blowing him out in the fourth, so there right. really was no need to play him in the fourth quarter. But what have you seen in the three games from him, and how has that kind of changed the offense a little bit? I, th I think he's looked really good. I think, you know, we talked about during his um, his second hiatus where he was out for six weeks where the the only positive part about the in specific injury that he had was that he could still keep up his conditioning because he could still run and do all the workout stuff that needed to be done other than, you know, he had to wait a while, I think, to shoot and dribble the ball and stuff like that because of his finger and his hand. But, um, but yeah, he. Uh, it doesn't seem like he's really missed too much of a step. His his timing might be a little bit off, but I mean, the game against Brooklyn on Wednesday, he had. Thank you. <laughs> he had. Uh, I think it was twenty five points, and his shot looked really good. So, um, yeah, he was pretty quiet in the game Saturday, but it didn't really matter. It was one of those games where you had so many guys playing well that there's going to be some guys here or there that don't necessarily have huge stats and it's completely irrelevant because what the team did was so impressive but I I keep looking at we're getting further and further away as he as Alfred plays more games from it's only a small sample which we talked about a lot during the time that he was out that it was a small sample but the team had scored a ton of points they won and their margin of victory was pretty big on average the three-point shooting was great the offense was incredible it's a hundred and 27 points per game now that they've averaged in the seven games that he's played 20 minutes or more. So we're starting to get to the point where it's not a coincidence or something that you can take lightly as far as the difference in the games where he's played versus the ones that he hasn't. So what is the biggest difference when he plays compared to when he hasn't? You can probably go down a laundry list of things, but like the biggest thing that sticks out for you 
whether it's on offense or defense, that has improved even in the few games that Alfred's been back? I'd say probably consistent pace, that they're consistently pushing the ball. Um, I think the quality of shots is better when he plays. But and there's a certain there's just a certain intangible of confidence and comfortability that a team has when you have your first string starting point guard on the floor that I feel like it's hard to put a finger exactly on what what that is, but it, it just does feel like, you know, everybody's you know, in a lot more relaxed maybe or and and also Drew Holiday putting him back in to where he's playing off the ball is he had a really good game against the Cavs and so He's he just seems a lot more um, looking like the player that he was in the last two or three months of last season as well when Alfred plays. Let's talk about this week for the Pelicans. I think it's a pretty big week for New Orleans. One, try to get back on track, get close to 500. But two, the opponents are very interesting this week. One, the Memphis Grizzlies. And you think what's so interesting about them right now? Well, they're on a little bit of a, a losing streak right now. Mm-hmm. They had that players only meeting. The reports of a physical altercation there. As well, they really haven't responded well after that. And then on Wednesday, you had the Cavs again, who you just saw on Saturday. (laughs) And obviously, they're a team that is going to be coming off of a back-to-back. They play at home on Tuesday. And also, they've won, lost, I think it's nine in a row now after the loss to the Pelicans. Mm. And then you have Saturday Saturday against Minnesota. (laughs) And they just got rid of Tom Thibodeau um, and now have an interim head coach. So, Jim, this could be a very big week for the Pelicans as far as maybe string some wins together. You haven't seen back-to-back wins since mid-November, which is crazy. It is. I mean, I, th- I see this as, an, as a real opportunity to try to get back into the thick of the race. Fortunately for not only the Pelicans, but a bunch of other teams in the West that are in the same area of the standings, the Lakers in eighth place have really brought everybody kind of back into the hunt because – for a while there, it was looking like the way things were going for the Pelicans and a couple other teams that they'd soon be, you know, five, six, seven games out of eighth place, which at this point in the season, there's still a lot of games left. But you start getting behind by that much and it starts to get a little scary. But the way the Lakers have played lately and the Pelicans haven't played other than one game in the last bunch of days, they've actually been able to gr- gain a bunch of ground. And now I think it's two and a half out of eighth place. So, um and the Lakers play tonight as well, or is it three? I'd have to look it up. The three back. Three back, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, after tonight, you could be back. You could be within two games of eighth place tonight if you win and the um, Lakers lose it at Dallas, which is a pretty tough game, especially. I mean, every, it seems like every game is a tough game if they don't have LeBron the way that they've been playing lately. So, when you play Memphis tonight and you look at them and their struggles, also you saw them about a month ago here in New Orleans with Memphis coming out on top. What are some things that the Pelicans need to change or do differently than the game in earlier December as far as getting a win here tonight? I do think that the pace could be big because, the, as we know, as we've seen over the years, the Grizzlies aren't super comfortable playing in a very fast kind of game. Um, they they seem like they've had just a deterioration in their confidence because the way they started out the season where they were like 12-5 and five or 12-6, and six, something like that, it was looking like all of the people – who said during the summer that they should just tear it apart and rebuild and trade their main guys were totally wrong. But over the last few weeks, it just seems like they've played really poorly. They, they're on another losing streak right now. They had a, a previous losing streak of about six or seven games. So they've really been searching for wins lately. And I'm a little bit surprised just because with the, their main two guys, it didn't. I was one of the people in the camp of they need to keep trying to win because they have Gasol and Conley and those guys have been the, the key pieces of a playoff team for forever. Other than last year when Conley almost missed the whole season and they had a bunch of other injuries. So, but um, it should be an interesting game though. I, I, I am curious to see 
the difference between Pelicans Grizzlies tonight versus a month or so ago when the Grizzlies were really riding high and they were the kind of team that you had to really be worried about the way that they had been playing at that point. A couple more things here, Jim, before I let you go. First, let's go back to kind of what we were talking about in this week ahead for New Orleans. Memphis today, Cleveland on Wednesday. I'm trying to get my bearings straight. And then Minnesota Saturday. Let's go to Minnesota and the firing of Tom Thibodeau. Very interesting timing, I would say, from the fact that the Lakers, you beat the Lakers by 20-plus points last night, and all of a sudden you're fired within minutes after that. Mm -hmm. Just kind of your thoughts on the change in Minnesota now after you lose Jimmy Butler in a trade earlier this season. Now you're head coach, kind of Minnesota going through a little bit of a crisis, I would say, right now. Yeah, I feel like just this season has the makings of a 30-for-30 for them already based on all of the different things that have happened as far as the timing of him getting fired, it does telegraph that there had to be something else going on because I can't remember the last time a coach was fired after any win, mm-hmm. let alone a win that was 20-something-plus points. Right. I'm sure there have been cases that I don't recall where a team won a game and then fired their coach, um, but that is so rare. And I heard people talking about – I mean, I don't want to get into too much speculation, but how – Thibodeau always plays his his main guys a ton of minutes, and yesterday they were up by 28, 30 points, something like that, with five or six minutes left in the game, and Towns was still in the game, and a couple other guys were still in the game. So maybe there was a disagreement about the usage of players or overextending players minutes-wise, and that was kind of the last straw. But just overall, I mean, their season has been so fascinating, and just there's been recent reports that I – tend to believe, I think most people believe because they come from solid reporters that now in Philadelphia, Jimmy Butler is having issues with Brett Brown and with the team and his role and stuff like that. And one of the, one of the, just to go on a little bit of a mini rant here, one of the things that bothered me a little bit when the whole Butler controversy in Minnesota happened was that it seemed like everyone sided with Jimmy Butler in the media, fans, et cetera. Everyone was like, Towns and Wiggins are bums. Jimmy Butler's right. These guys are lazy, they don't have enough work ethic, et cetera, et cetera, whatever criticisms you wanted to levy. Now, to me, I, I, f- I feel like to some extent that Towns is in particular got a raw deal with the whole thing because since Butler's been gone, he's been playing incredibly well. And I just thought a lot of that stuff was unfair. And when the Pelicans played the Timberwolves recently, for example, I was getting tweets from people saying like, you know, Towns and Wiggins are losers and they're terrible players or whatever. Wiggins has now let me take a step back for a second. Wiggins to me has created some of his some of the criticism on his own. He's been his own worst enemy a little bit. He recently was quoted as saying we have some terrible fans. That wasn't the word he used, but yeah. I'm not I, I know this is a family show. Appreciate it. Um which is always a, a dumb thing to do. Right. Never get in that that's there's never a winning um strategy there. There's never a way that you can win when you start right. criticizing your own fans. Um, he was mad because he was getting booed mm-hmm. after he missed free throws. Um, but I, I just feel like, I mean, you can tell me what you think, but I just felt like I didn't understand the reaction to that. That why It seems like that happens a lot more and more when things like this happen is that everyone sides with one side or the other. Everyone sides with the players and says the coaches or the organization are wrong before you even know a lot of the details. And to me, after this Butler thing happened with Philly, and he also had problems in Chicago – it makes you say, is it every, is it everyone else's fault? And like to me, you only get one time in your a player only gets one time in his career where he can say, it's everyone else's fault. These mm-hmm. guys are all jerks. 
et cetera, et cetera. And to me, this is three now where he's been, he's been on three different teams and it's been a similar thing. So at that point, at a certain point, I just feel like people need to take a step back sometimes and not jump to conclusions immediately. Yeah. I don't really want to dive into exactly as far as what I think about the whole situation in general, but I am in agreement with you um, in that standpoint, but also take a look at just the organization from top to bottom and the this not dysfunction, but I'd say, but the lack of communication, I think the lack sure. of being on the same page coming from ownership, GM, head coach. Because there was a report that Carl Anthony Towns was actually getting along really well with Thibodeau in the last few weeks or mm. so. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm sure that caught hit him off guard. But nonetheless, it will be an interesting situation how the Pelicans maybe either take advantage of that on Saturday. Um, sometimes these things are quirky with, you know, it could be a downhill spiral um, for the Timberwolves after losing Tibbs, or this could be a, if Tibbs was really one of the problems, then this could be something that could really energize a team and they can go on a run because it kind of happened with the Butler trade that yeah. they played really well after that. That's exactly what I was going to say. I think there were nine and three after the, yep. after he got traded before they started losing a little bit, but mm-hmm. um, it could go either way. And so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah. We were in Minis- we were in Minnesota right after that trade and it just seemed like you could almost sense you could feel that, that there was just new life there with yep. the trade and getting getting rid of Butler made everyone a lot happier and a lot more at ease, and there was just so much less tension there. We'll, we'll see what happens on Saturday. Uh, Pelicans and Timberwolves, that starts a five-game winning streak or five-game road trip for the Pelicans. I need to take a nap or something. I'm all <laughs> out of it today. Let me, let's get on out of here. Jim, I appreciate it. We'll talk to you at the arena tonight. Sounds good. All right, before I make any more errors, let's end the show for today. Big thanks to Mike Triplett from ESPN.com, breaking down the NFC wild or the NFL wild card round and then getting ready for the divisional round this Sunday. Of course, we'll have plenty more leading up to Saints and Eagles from the Superdome on Sunday, starting with Sean Kelly's show on Wednesday night or Wednesday morning, whichever time you want to listen to the show. And then Ashley Amos and Caroline Gonzalez will kind of give you their last preview on Friday. Don't forget Pelicans and Grizzlies tonight, 7 p.m. If you're not at the Smoothie King Center, you can watch it on Fox Sports New Orleans or listen on News Talk 995 WRNO. Again, for Mike Triplett, Jim Eikenhofer, I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening to the Black and Blue Report presented by CP.